Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. I'm Rita Cosby. Well, the presidential race is underway in earnest, and so is the race for the GOP nomination, with Trump winning the big Iowa caucus in a huge way, in an enormous landslide. And the issues of our border, immigration, the economy, there are so many of them that are really top of mind of so many voters. And joining us now to talk about this and so much more is the former Trump National Security Council spokesperson. He is also the managing partner of Brighton Strategy Group, John Elliott. John, it's so great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Rita. It's great to be on. What was your reaction to Trump winning the Iowa caucus in historic fashion? Well, it was a great week for President Trump. On Monday, he had a resounding win. There was the the previous record had been for anybody who was a non-incumbent on the GOP side in Iowa was, I think it was way back when Bob Dole won it by, I think, 12 points. Uh, and so that was the record was 12, 12 and a half points. And so for for President Trump to do four times that, I mean, it was an absolute blowout. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. And if you look at his his acceptance speech, it was very magnanimous. It was very much looking to bring the party together. And there was no sort of throwing barbs at anybody. He's very much somebody who is able to really consolidate the party at this point. And with a showing of 51 percent in Iowa, it is absolutely a great momentum move for President Trump as he looks to really focus on Biden going forward. And he's already been focusing on Biden, but this really shows that he has the voters behind him. And it was a great week, great uh, Monday, great victory. And now he's looking to New Hampshire next Tuesday. Do you believe it's a done deal that he's going to get the nomination? Do you see anything stopping that? No, not at all. I think he's everybody sees him as the front runner. Once again, he's very magnanimous in the way that he's approaching, looking forward to the general election. And you have Vivek Ramaswamy. He pulled out, endorsed President Trump. He's going to be very actively campaigning for him, really pulling in a lot of younger voters, a lot, a lot of people who are new to the party and are excited by his energy. And so it's great to have Vivek on board. And he didn't take just two minutes after the polls closed. And he went ahead and he threw in the towel and, and endorsed President Trump. He's been campaigning with him all this week. So that's something that shows that the party is really coalescing around him. You have Chris Christie, who last week pulled out. He had a real never Trumper approach that just didn't sell to anybody. And it was too bad to see Christie go out that way because he's somebody who never should have been in the race in the first place. And he was only detracting from his own popularity by taking on President Trump in a very angry fashion. 
And for him to pull out, it was interesting that he didn't endorse anybody when he pulled out. So if there were somebody who were a front runner in terms of really being head to head threat to President Trump, you know that Christie would have gotten behind that person. But he was on a hot mic moment last week before he pulled. Well, it was actually the the uh, the evening that he pulled out. He was on a hot mic where he said that Nikki Haley was going to get smoked in New Hampshire. And if there's anybody that's all Christie did was camp out in New Hampshire and nobody really got behind him in New Hampshire. And so for him to not endorse anybody shows that he would have gotten behind anybody who is a real threat to President Trump. So even in pulling out himself, it showed that he is already acknowledging privately on a hot mic moment that that Nikki Haley doesn't really stand a chance. And she's the only person who's really competing against President Trump because, once again, Ron DeSantis is going straight down to South Carolina and he's not really competing in New Hampshire. And so it's one of those things where Nikki Haley, there's no debates. She wanted desperately to debate Trump one-on-one. When she finished third in Iowa, she said, well, now it's a one-on-one race. Well, how can you say that if you've finished third? Uh, don't you think it would be at least a two-on-one, but especially in, and if it were one-on-one, it would be between Ron DeSantis and President Trump because DeSantis beat her in Iowa. So it really didn't make a lot of sense. And so we can get into more of that in a bit when we talk uh, about Nikki Haley. But um, all in all, it's been a great week for President Trump, and he's been very enthusiastically campaigning in New Hampshire with a number of events this week. And so he has a lot of momentum going to Tuesday, and it should be a very good next few days, uh, early next week. Where do you see him sort of wrapping up the nomination where maybe the others say, OK, we'll get out if there's no surprises? Well, if there are no surprises, look, he has a tremendous following in New Hampshire. He's Nikki is closer to him there than she was in any other state. And that's a lot because you have Democrat crossovers. It's essentially an open primary. And so if there were spoilers, she's really appealing to the never Trumpers who are on the Democrat side for her. But really, that only accounts for just a handful, maybe three or four more percentage points than than you would have in a non in a closed primary state. And so that really isn't enough for her to really amount of threat to him. And once again, he has a lot of momentum and he's campaigning in a way to unify the party. And most people will now look, most voters in the Republican Party, no matter what state it's in, are already saying that they're behind President Trump. And it's it's funny, Rita, because as as long as with each of these indictments that where the Democrats have have are now engaging in lawfare against President Trump. They're throwing the book at him in these four different cases. With every one of those indictments, with every one of those cases, President Trump goes up in popularity, not not just with the party and with Republican voters, but also with independents who are tired of this weaponization that's never happened before against a former president. And it's it's something, Rita, where, look, you would have had a lot of these cases, if they were for real, they would have been brought two years ago. But all four cases are being brought against him right now. And they're, if you look at the, the, they're all coordinated with the primary dates and the, and the primary calendar so that they want to have him in court one day doing an event the other day and want to be jamming him up in so many ways. But there's nobody who's a stronger candidate and a stronger man than President Trump to be able to withstand even one of those cases. Somebody would have bowed out if it wasn't President Trump, somebody who has a real spine of steel, and he's somebody who is, the American people are tired of this. And then you have these cases where you have these situations where 
he's trying to, where Democrats are trying to throw him off the ballot in Colorado, in Maine, and others. And that's even more evidence that they don't want to compete with him head to head because Biden has a terrible record and they know that everybody remembers how good things were under Trump. And so, look, you can have no more mean tweets. That's great. But then if your economy goes down in the tank and, and you're suddenly facing two conflicts in in Ukraine and now in Gaza Strip that never would have happened, never did happen under President Trump, then everybody looks at that. They look at the crime. They look at the border. And it's a terrible record to run on. So that's why the Democrats have nothing. And they also have a candidate in President Biden who is somebody who really is not mentally up for being president at all. He's not. Somebody said it was a funny line the other day that he's he's not qualified to be in the Oval Office. He's not qualified even to be uh, working in an office max. You know, so it's something <laughs> where he's not a uh, he's not he's not up for the task. And so that's why you're seeing this weaponization of the of the law against President Trump. And you're seeing these these efforts to get him off the ballot and people are tired of it and they just want to make America great again. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, you talk about uh, so many issues here. I first want to go to your column also. Go back to Nikki Haley, because you wrote a really powerful column in Town Hall, and it's entitled, John, Nikki Haley, Make Davos Great Again. Uh, Tell us about the message of that, because, boy, that could not be further from, uh, you know, Trump supporters. Well, exactly. Well, it shows that she's backed by globalist elites who are spending, who have spent this week in Davos, because this is this annual gab fest that all the uniparty globalists from around the world that they it's it's all for it's talking a lot about climate change talking about a lot of efforts and that everybody there from the foreign countries really does not like president trump because president trump is very strong he made nato countries for the first time pay their fair share and they don't like him on the climate issue because he pulled us out of that that awful weather agreement or the climate agreement the paris climate accords and he also he's an American firster and they're there for the, the they're for Davos first, make America great again, make Davos great again. It's a it's a big contrast. And so we're, with Nikki Haley, the, the the thing about Nikki Haley is that she is somebody who is really appealing to not only the never Trumpers and Democrats, but now she's backed by Democrats. You have J.P. Morgan's chief, Jamie Dimon. He recently urged even Democrat donors to open up their coffers for her. And he said at the New York Times deal book summit a couple months back, he said, if you're a very liberal Democrat, I urge you to help Nikki Haley to give them a choice on the Republican side that might be better than Trump. And then right after he said that you have this Democrat big tech donor, Reed Hoffman, he forked over a quarter million dollars to Nikki's super PAC a week after Jamie Dimon to have Democrats support them. And so, and in saying that Hoffman's spokesperson said, look, we have two shots to take out Trump and we better use them both. And so that's why I was giving a quarter million dollars to Nikki's super PAC. So what I was saying in the piece, Rita, is that what happens is that now there's a, unlike DeSantis, where DeSantis was pretty much aligned with where President Trump was, 
And all those liberal donors were behind DeSantis because they want they saw him as a threat to President Trump. But as DeSantis ran down in the polls, suddenly now they're looking for anybody. And so they're jumping ship from DeSantis and they're jumping over to Haley at the last minute to support her financially. And but here it's easier for them to back Haley because Haley is backing them on unlimited Ukraine funding on the climate craziness and also maintaining an open border. So he's completely in their lane ideologically on their virtue signaling policies. And so that's why it's very, they would have gone with Haley ideologically from the start, but they just didn't think that she had a chance. And now desperately they're jumping under her camp. And so that was what I was saying in the piece is that all of these backers of hers are on their private jets flying into Davos right now, or they did earlier this week. And they're, they spent all this week in Davos talking with everybody who doesn't like Trump. The, the the globalists do not want President Trump back in power because, once again, he's an America firster. And they don't like anybody, whether it's Orban, uh, whether it is uh, uh, anybody who's a populist around the world. They do not like that because they want to have everybody come together. And in the case of the U.S., that means that the U.S., uh, is in the lead in funding things like the Ukraine. I mean, we've spent more in Ukraine. We've spent over $200 billion in Ukraine. So where are the rest of the world that's gathering in Davos, all these world leaders? If They, they love the fact that we're bankrolling all of their projects, whether it comes to the climate, whether it comes to Ukraine. And so bottom line is that we're just seen as a big, big piggy bank for those guys. And they don't want to have President Trump back in office because he calls them out for what they are. And President Trump himself, he went to Davos uh, once or twice while he was president. And and they didn't like that because he came and he just spoke his mind. And he said, look, this is I'm an America firster. And that's not what you all stand for here. And they really didn't like him coming in there. So there was a piece in Politico that was just by one of their uh, general journalists, one of their writers, non-ideological, who just said that that the vibe at Davos this week was People are scared of President Trump coming back because they see a weak candidate in Biden and they just do not want to have somebody who's going to challenge them on the world stage on on their agenda, whether it's climate or whether it's Ukraine or anything else that they that they have in their globalist uh, globalist agenda. So, you know, one of the big issues that we clearly saw also out of Iowa and we're seeing it in some of the polls, some of the early polls of the issues that matter to folks in New Hampshire is the border, is immigration, is national security. Talk about how important that is, because obviously when you think of that, you clearly think of President Trump. Boy, oh boy, he did such a better job in protecting the homeland and protecting our borders. Absolutely, Rita. Well, what happened under President Trump, and I served, once again, as you mentioned, in the in the uh, National Security Council, I was their spokesman under President Trump. And so what he did on the border was really it was really an honor and a privilege to be able to support him in implementing the agenda that he directed from the top on the border. And what that was, was that he actually built the wall. He built hundreds of miles of the border wall and he came within $5 billion was all that needed to be spent to finish the border wall. And so what he did was, uh, they, that's all they had to do. And, and there was even, even fencing and whatnot that was ready to be put up that was already paid for. And not only did Joe Biden stop building the wall, but he he got rid of all this fencing that had already been paid for by taxpayers. And so he did not allow it to be put up when it was already paid for. And then in terms of his open policy, open borders policy, President Trump had this remain in Mexico agreement with Mexico AMLO with uh, 
Lopez Obrador, president of Mexico, he had an agreement with him where he said, look, we're going to put tariffs on you like you've never seen before unless you actually have stopped the flow of illegals coming across our borders. And what happened was Lopez Obrador, he's a left winger big time. He's a leftist, but he just saw, look, we can't take the tariffs at this point. And and so what he did was he he did not allow the he put his military on the border and did not allow. He helped us and helped protect our border. And that's somebody who now Lopez Obrador is sees weakness in Biden. And so he's changed his tune completely. And he's just letting all these migrants come in and there's no effort. Look, Kamala Harris was put in charge of the border under Biden. And she, I think, just visited once or so. And it was uh, on the border and there was no nobody at all. She didn't even see any of the people coming across. I think she just visited someplace in El Paso that was way away from where all the migrants were coming through. And look, so that's number one, not serious there. You've got Mayorkas, who's been a terrible Secretary of Homeland Security, who also has done nothing on the border. And really, it's something where the, the result is that you've had 8 million illegal immigrants come in over our border. And take a step back, Rita, this was during the time, a lot of that was during this COVID lockdown where everybody had masks on and and uh, you had people like Nova, uh, like Djokovic, the tennis player, who was not even allowed to come in and play in some of our big tennis tournaments in Florida because he didn't have the vaccine. And here you're letting 8 million people across the border, none of whom had this vaccine back when that was a big issue and when Biden made it a big issue. And so, look, it's either do you enforce our borders and do you, do you push out people who are like uh, Djokovic, who's a great tennis player, for not having the vaccine? And then suddenly you're letting 8 million people come across, no vaccine, no masks. And also you're letting them, uh, you're basically saying for them, okay, you're going to come across, you're giving them cell phones. You're giving them you're giving them a plane ticket to wherever they want to go in the U.S. And this is something where now even you've got you've got elementary school and and middle school students up in places like New York and Chicago who are ha- having to decamp and and do their education from home on Zoom calls because what these Democrats in those jurisdictions are doing is they're clearing them out because they want to actually put the migrants into the schools and have them as some type of a housing facility for illegal immigrants. And it's just a mess. And one more thing, Rita, is that on the borders that you have 8 million that are, that are known, uh, that are, have been brought into our country, but then you have 2 million who are known gotaways, who are people who there's just no record. There's no in-processing of those illegals. So that, that comes close to 10 million people that have come across. And this is just in three years. So you're talking about just the last two months, if you look at uh, the month of December and the month of November, you had in those two months, you had 300,000 people coming across in just those months. So that's more than that's more than 10,000. Well, actually, that that is 300,000 per month. And so that's just nothing was seen. You, uh, the, the high watermark under President Trump was 270,000 per year. And here you have more of that coming through. You have 12 times that. 13 times that coming across under President Biden. It's a mess. And what that's doing is it's pushing. Look, I was with I was in an Uber the other day and there was an immigrant from I think it was from Egypt who had come over here just like so many through the stood in line, waited for several years, came over, 
as a legal immigrant. And he was he said that he's going to vote for President Trump because he's so sick of seeing all these illegals come across when he had to wait in line. And there's so many people like that who aren't really political, but they're just on the border alone. They're abandoning Biden because it's just such a mess. And and there's no real intent for them to change it. And so people can see that. And that's just one aspect of where President Trump is a mirror opposite of the weakness that Biden has shown. Do you think that people are just fed up, that they're so worried about the border, they're worried of what's happening in the world with all these wars, and they're saying, wait a minute, President Trump was keeping us safe. Do you think that that's helping him tremendously at this moment in stark contrast to what Biden has done? Well, absolutely. There's not only the border, but if you look at what we did in supporting President Trump on the NSC was that he accomplished more, especially in the last two years, in terms of making America safe, what he did was he took on Iran. He had this unbelievable strike of Soleimani, who was the big head of the Revolutionary Guards in in Iran. And he had an opportunity, was given an opportunity to say, hey, we know where this guy's going to be. And he took him out. And two presidents, President H.W., sorry, President George W. Bush and Obama were also given intelligence where they had a chance to take an attack. And this is bipartisan. They, they were very worried about doing that. President Trump said, great, we're going to take a shot. We know we can have it. And then he eliminated that guy. And, and if you take a step back and look at what Soleimani did, he was somebody who was responsible for the deaths, directly responsible for the killing of about 13, 1400 American troops in Iraq because he gave these these advanced IEDs, these improvised explosive devices that were that that could blow right through armored Humvees and others. And so you have the killing and the maiming of over a thousand troops in Iraq. These are American troops uh, in, in, in the Bush administration. And he's somebody who has American blood on his hand. And so right on President Trump for eliminating that guy. And then if you look at the response that that the Iranians had to that, they understand strength. And so they they saw that and they said, wait, hey, we're not going to challenge him at all. And so they fired some missiles into the empty part of one base in Iraq about a week later, and they did not take any forceful action because they knew that they did not want to mess with President Trump because they knew that that he's somebody who means what he says. By contrast, under President Biden, to your point, Reid, about weakness and what American people are seeing right now is that you have there never would have the Hamas who's directly funded and directed by the Revolutionary Guard and by the Iranians altogether, they would never and they never did make any move under President Trump, whereas under President Biden, he showed such weakness in the pullout of Afghanistan that suddenly and also in trying to get back into a nuclear deal with the Iranians, that the Iranians said, look, this is somebody who is is weak. And so what, what he also did, what Biden did is he allowed them, he took off some of the sanctions or a lot of the sanctions on their oil rev or on their oil sales. And so what he did was when President Trump left office, they had six billion, seven billion dollars in terms of reserve currency because they couldn't sell their oil on the world market. And so what happened was President Biden lifted those sanctions and allowed them to sell to places like China. And so by the time of the war, by the time the Hamas attacked the into Israel and had those inhuman attacks where they really put babies in ovens and, and tortured grandmothers in front of their grandkids, et cetera. And it was just absolutely barbaric what they were doing. And they they were given that green light because by Iran, they would never have been 
have done that. They weren't, Iran never directed them to do any activity like that, any, any, any forceful action like that, use of force during the time that President Trump was in office because they, they knew they just did not want to mess with President Trump. But here, not only did they see weakness in President Biden, but then they had the money to fund places like, to fund Hamas and fund others like Hezbollah and others because they had $70 billion by the time that they, that the Hamas made their attack on Israel. So, and that, that opened up tens of billions of dollars for Iran to fund those groups. You see with the Houthis as well in the, in the Gulf of Aden and down in Yemen where they're attacking troops and they're attacking our, all the ships there that are, that are uh, moving through that very important waterway. And this is something that you have, you have the Iranians funding all three of those groups and they never had the money to do that under President Trump and they never wanted to challenge him directly because they knew that he was strong. So it's a question of clearly seeing uh, peace through strength and through Reagan and and others. And I think people are saying they are very, very worried. Well, by the way, everybody, be sure to subscribe and share to this really powerful podcast. John Elliott, uh, really great to have you here. And thanks also for what you do to keep America safe, keep democracy safe, and also for your great service. I know you are you are a Marine Corps veteran, and thank you for all you've done to keep us safe uh, just through your lifetime, too. Thank you, John. Thank you so much, Rita. I really appreciate it. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.